0: Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Amen. Vibrant Church, let me hear from you Sunday morning. Come on, where you at? So glad that you are here. Look around. You guys look great today. Man, I'll tell you what, we have all we all survived Ice-Mageddon this week. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, no busted pipes, none of that mess this year. Praise God for that. We're going to dive into a relationship series (laughs) called This Is Us. Um, How many of y'all watch the show This Is Us? All right, like 25% of you guys. I do not watch the show This Is Us, but my wife, she feels it's her burden to inform me about what happens in the show, and so... I I am kept updated on the lives of these people, praise God. Let me set it up like this. Uh, In the beginning, God created everything there was to be created, right? And I I mean, the the earth, the stars, the water, the land, the oxygen, the animals. But then he created man and then woman from that man. But rather, uh, the, the whole purpose was not that that woman would complete that man. That was not the purpose, but the purpose was that the relationship would drive them to be complete in God. The purpose of God creating woman for man was not that the woman would complete the man. It was that the woman and the man, their relationship would drive them to be complete in God. Now, we all know the story here. Adam and Eve both take bites of the forbidden fruit. We will not talk about who's at fault uh, for that particular situation. Uh, That is a separate sermon series. I'd rather not split the church today. Um, But we are, so we're exiled from the Garden of Eden and just like that, sin is created. Separation from God was created because Of disobedience I'm going somewhere stay with me ladies how many of you dreamed of having like the perfect marriage at like 15 years old you know I'm talking about like the guy that just like did all the dishes all the time like cleaned all the bottles and like just sat there and just like listened I mean it sounds like me honestly um (laughs) I mean, like, you named your kids, you wrote it down, you named your kids before you could legally get a job. How many of y'all did that? All right, is some of y'all are honest. Some of y'all lying right now to church, right? Fellas, how many of you dreamed of that girl that you were gonna marry, marry when you were a teenager? You know, like, she's beautiful, she's talented, she's a great mom, and she can cook, and let me tell you, she loves some Sunday naps, okay? Come on. All right, my fellas in the house, okay? Amen. Amen. How many of y'all still dreaming today? Don't raise that hand. Don't do it. It's a trap. Don't, don't do it. In this TV show, This Is Us, uh, during the last season of it, I know that. Here's the thing. If, if everything were perfect for all the relationships in the show, that show would not be very entertaining. Like if life went really well and everything was great and everything was peachy, that, that show, y'all would not watch that show. Like it would have been like half season. We're canceling that thing. Like it's, it's done, right? But here's the problem is that they don't. It's not perfect. Life happens. It's messy. They don't, they don't live maybe even like they should or in a God manner, right? There's ups and there's downs. Church, let me just tell you, we're right in the middle of that. We're right in the middle of that. I feel like there's so much to learn from the marriages of the Bible, the marriages of the Bible and and how to handle all of our relationships in life. Now, single people, I just gotta tell you, don't check out on me right now. Don't check out on me because we're gonna actually use the context of these marriages to teach you how to be single and not lose your ever loving mind in February. I love my single people. Single people, where you at? this, this mic still on? Single people, where you at? All right. I knew there were some single people on this side of the room too. Okay. Here's the thing. Relationships are messy because we are sinners. I like to say it this way. People have issues and I'm a people, right? Relationships are messy. This is us. We're messy. If we weren't messy, life would be boring, but we are messy. Now, The question is how do we learn and we grow from the messy? How do we grow from the messy? How many know that this world has a really confused way of the the way relationships look like, right? What those should look like, okay? Like there's so many parents that sit down with their daughters and they're like, well, if you play your cards right, like Prince Charming will come in and he'll sweep you off your feet. He'll be the one that will complete you and everything will be perfect from then on. I mean, you'll have a beautiful house right off of Lake Conroe. I mean, you'll have a dog. You'll have 2.5 kids because that, you know, one of them will guaranteed be a girl and uh, you'll know, the white picket fence, it'll be all perfect and you'll live happily ever after. But the problem is for most marriages today in our world, happily, happily ever after doesn't come. And they're like, dad, this is not what you told me about. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for, right? We're gonna look at a very unusual story. And I wanted to actually preach this one first um, to scare the rest of y'all off for the rest of them. I'm just kidding. I, but this one's a very unusual story with some very weird twists, okay? Like all of the stories, like I wanted to start with the weird one first, get it out of the way. But in this story, um, and it's in the Old Testament and there's a guy named Jacob and he sees this beautiful girl named Rachel. I mean, just like beautiful. But through the course of an unfortunate events, her older sister gets involved and all of a sudden it looks like something Brother Jerry Springer would show up to mediate, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> the great reverend. And uh, let me give you some context here. Jacob walks to the well and he sees his uncle Laban and his daughter Rachel. Rachel. She was gorgeous, like ten out of ten. Like he falls head over heels for. Her. Now, some of y'all are doing the math right now, and you're thinking, his uncle's daughter makes them cousins. Yes, they were cousins. They're definitely from Alabama. <laughs> Anybody watching from Alabama online, I love you. <laughs> y'all know it's true though. <laughs> so, he's dating his cousin and he wants to marry her. Like he's dating his cousin, he wants to marry her. He's thinking, man, if I can just marry her, my life will be complete. Like if I could just just get to the wedding, if I can marry her, my life will be perfect. It will be complete. Here's what we know. The context of the story is that Jacob never had the love of his dad, was never respected and loved by his father. Jacob ended up losing the love of his mother and he didn't grasp the unconditional love of God. This complicated things for Jacob. He started making rash decisions. It's not a surprise that when he sees her, he thinks, man, if I can just marry her, my life will have meaning. I can be proud of me if I, if I can just marry her. Guys, it happens in our world all the time. Maybe you were the one or you know someone that, that felt inadequate unless they had a person to date, right? Right? unless they had somebody they were dating or somebody on their arm. Like something was always wrong unless they were dating somebody. Why? Because without them, there was no meaning. There was no meaning to life. Or it's like the, the, the middle-aged guy that hasn't made like a great faithful wife or a job, kids, and he gets bored with it. Life starts changing. Hair gets gray, falls out. So he trades the faithfulness of his wife for a younger woman that's attracted to his money he gives it all up because it makes him feel powerful and desirable it all begins with this statement that just is five words but it's it's five words that changes the mentality of every one of us if we allow it to seek into our spirit if i can if i just have that if i just have that It's these words, no matter if it's material or a job or a person, if I can, if I just have that, it's a mentality that drives every one of us down a dangerous road. And that's exactly what's going through the mind of Jacob here. If I just have her, everything will be perfect. Let me give you some biblical context. Genesis chapter 29, verse 16 through 17. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, the name of the... Or, or biblical translations, Leah, actually. Uh, Star Wars fans, there you go. Um, and, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And so Leah had weak eyes. i will leave that there for right now. But Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Now, can I be frank with you here? Can I just tell you what's really being said here? Scholars will say that this was a very polite way of saying Leah was not... Attractive, like when they say that she had weak eyes, it didn't come back with saying like Rachel had 20/20 vision, <laughs> right? It was a very polite way of saying she not pretty. Yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah, like she she was she was not pretty. In fact, when I was in Bible college, I studied Hebrew. Um, I studied Greek too, but it's still Greek to me. Uh, but Uh, But I studied Hebrew a ton. And so I dug down in the scriptures and I found the most biblically close picture to what Leah actually would look like today. And so our media team is going to help me out by putting that on the screen right now. (laughs) That is what Sister Leah would look like today. And then I dug down and I was able to find the most biblically accurate picture of the beautiful Easy on the eyes, Rachel, the 10 out of 10. I was able to find that picture as well. And uh, yeah. How did that get up there? How did that, how did that, man, I'm so sorry, guys. That, that is a picture of my beautiful 10 out of 10 wife, Carmen. And yes, I know that's my wife. And yes, I did that on purpose. And yes, I will redeem those brownie points. Yes, I will, praise God, hallelujah. But from, hey, church, don't don't miss this. From a physical standpoint, you shouldn't undervalue physical attraction because that's how God made you. But in our over-sexualized culture where everything is about getting naked and getting between the sheets, it's very easy to overvalue the external or the physical, and that's just wrong too. It's the truth. We find in this story that the older of the two sisters, the one that has weak eyes, <laughs> ends up being the one that's far superior from a standpoint of character. And often all that matters is what's on the inside. And in this story, the Bible, we all see that Jacob, he ends up spending a month at the house with Laman, he spends a, house, a month at the house there, and, and after that month, he's like, I am all in. Like, I am sold, I wanna marry Rachel like he sold, like John Michael Montgomery at an auction. He's like, ready. Like, like, but in that culture, parents didn't allow kids to spend much time with the person that they were dating or, or interested in, and so they didn't spend much time together, but he was in love with her based off of only the external it was important but it can't be everything let me tell you a story there was a couple beautiful young couple both of them there were no leahs involved here they were both good looking people and um they're getting married and and uh but the the girl went to our church and and she came to me and was like um hey like i'm getting i want to get we're engaged we're gonna get married this is my this is my fiance. first time i'd ever met him and uh He's a good-looking dude. I mean, like, had blue eyes. I mean, like, looked like he could play linebacker. I mean, he was a good-looking dude, right? Um, well, in the counseling, I started doing premarital coaching with him. I said, well, where do you stand as far as belief? Are you a believer? You believe in the Lord? And uh, they, say, they looked at each other and like, ah, yeah, we didn't, we didn't really really talk about that. We didn't, it wasn't kind of a thing that came, kind of came up. I was like, okay. Well, like." I started asking them questions. What about like down the line, you're gonna parent together and one wants to serve God and raise your kids in the church, but then the other doesn't. He wasn't a believer. One wants to be faithful to God in tithing and the other one doesn't wanna even talk about it. One wants to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord, bring bring the word into the home and pray with kids and, and, and celebrate things that we do. Like live a life that's honoring God. Well, the other one doesn't want to. Well, I finally just had to meet with him separately and I told the girls, like, like I get that you love him and I get all of that, but if you're going to remain faithful to the Lord, ultimately you're gonna have to make a decision because what are you gonna do when your baby is sick and you have a choice? Are we gonna worry Or are we going to pray? Are we going to worry or are we going to worship? I mean, that's great that he's got great eyes and he could like bat his baby blue eyes at that baby, you know. But what good is that going to do? Ultimately, you have to make a decision more than just the physical and what's on the outside. You can't build a marriage on the external. That leads us to believe that marriage is the be all end all. You know, I grew up in a culture that said, if you didn't get married by 25, there's something wrong with you. I know it's real quiet, but it's still the truth. Now, it's not like that much in, in nowadays, and, and that's okay. That's all right. But we can't build marriages, healthy marriages, off the external. If we do that, it's so shallow. It's so shallow. It, 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 so, that the few points I want to bring to you today... When, When we believe that marriage is the key to our worth, there's a few things that we do. And I find this in the story here. When we believe that marriage is the key to our worth, number one, you compromise more than you should. Compromise more than you should. You give up things that are important to you or important to God to get to what you think is important. Genesis 28, 29 and 18, Jacob was in love with Rachel. He was in love with Disney movie. So he says, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter Rachel. Now he was very clear on which daughter he was looking at. Like very clear, your younger daughter Rachel. I know in today's culture it's easy to look at that and get like super offended. Um, like he worked for seven years, but, but the way that it was in those times culturally, is that the man would prove that he could provide by either providing money or paying in the form of livestock or work, okay? That was the way he proved his worth, okay? And so, now you might think that's like incredibly romantic. He worked for seven years. That's beautiful. He worked for, yeah, he would work for seven years. Now, I I get it, okay? But it's also insane. (laughs) Because he starts out offering four, almost four times what the normal offer would be in the culture of that day. He's like a terrible negotiator, like the worst. Like he walks in, he's like the worst guy to go used car shopping with, right? Like you go to buy a used car and you're like, oh, that you want 10 grand for that? Well, what if I paid you 37? <laughs> I'll take it. Sign me up, right? He was desperate though, right? You compromise when you're desperate. He was desperate for Rachel. He was, this is the guy that's saying that I will do anything that you asked to, to get her, I'll give up anything. I'll give up more than I should. It doesn't matter. There's nothing I'm attached to that I won't give up. Guys, the same thing happens today. The same thing happens today. The sweet girl wants to save herself from marriage, but then push it, the, meets the young man that pushes boundaries and, and pushes the boundaries, and she wants to say no, and, and, and he keeps pushing, and, and then finally, uh, she thinks, well, maybe if I give him my body, he'll give me his heart. And then she compromises. Maybe he's a 30-something, a single, and he meets this girl, and, and she's not really who God has called him to be with, but, and she doesn't have healthy boundaries or qualities, but all his friends are married, and they're like, well, bro, this might be your last chance. You might as well marry her now. So you compromise. It's the person that's been blessed with a great life and family, but you see this shiny new object, whether it's a job or a house or a car or money, and you'll think, I'll do anything to get that. And you compromise what is most important to you and to what God has for your life. So you can get that shiny new thing. You compromise. That degree, that position, I'll compromise anything so I can get on that stage so I can have that thing, so I can do that thing. The first thing that you do is you compromise. The second thing that you do when you believe that marriage is, it determines your worth is, is you become demanding. I want, that's exactly what Jacob did here. I want you to see this. Um, Genesis 29, 21, then Jacob said to Laban, he said, give me my wife. Excuse me? My time is completed and I want to lie with her. He's essentially saying, I did my part. Now send her over here. You can see how shallow this is, right? You can see how shallow it is. Based completely off the external. This is actually com- calm compared to the, the actual text uh, translation. It's, it's not honoring to the father or to Rachel. Honestly, this is, this is what happens. And and in so many marriages today and I believe society has normalized it is that rather than marriage being a covenant like God intended, it becomes a contract. I'm gonna say that again so you can get that and you can write it down and you can let it soak in your spirit. Rather than marriage being a covenant like God intended it, we allow it to be a contract or we make it into a contract. You do this and I'll do this. As soon as that happens, when we allow and set this kind of system up, Are expectations of each other raised to levels that it's impossible to meet? This creates offense because offense is birthed by difference of expectation. Sex is a common place for where this happens in marriage. It's a common place like, babe, I did the dishes, I put the like kids in bed, like I, I bathed all the kids, I got them all in bed, now I'm ready. Let's get biblical. Right? Maybe you've been demanding and nitpicking about everything in your home, using words like never and always, getting demanding. We end up having all these expectations, and this becomes a problem because women expect men to know they don't. Like, even when you tell us, we will probably miss it because we are men. (laughs) We will probably miss it. Guys, Even in a good marriage, it's easy for us to say, I've done my part, now you do yours. This happens when we believe that our spouse meets all of our needs because the purpose of a uh, a contract in a marriage is to say, well, I can get us this far, you get us the rest of the way. Rather than saying, we're both going to team up and go as far as we can and lean into Jesus to get us the rest of the way. When you start leaning into your spouse for needs that only Jesus could meet, you're going to lead toward a area of disappointment, which leads me to my third point. You'll always end up dissatisfied. Some people enter marriage with so many expectations that there's no way one person could fulfill them all. There's no way, right? What you've done is is set your spouse up for guaranteed failure. In fact, this is exactly what happens right in the middle of this story. Um, what happens here is Jacob works seven years, seven long years. He works for Laban and, and does everything that he's asked to do. He comes to Laban and he says, all right, I've completed the work. Now I want my wife. Well, so what do they do? They set up a wedding. They set up this wedding and this marriage, you know, in those days, you know, wedding was like a seven day feast. And so um, and at a feast, there was lots of food, but obviously lots of wine as well. And so at the end of the seven-day feast, uh, Jacob, they, they were married. Jacob and Rachel, you know, legally within the family, they were married. Uh, Jacob was toasted, like liddy. He was liddy he was, he was lit okay? <laughs> Jacob was toasted. So Laban had this little issue that he had to figure out. He had to work out in his mind here, see, he had to marry his oldest daughter off first, part of the, the, the way that they lived. Jacob should have known that, rookie move. And uh, so Laban does him wrong. He takes Leah, he gives her a dress and a veil and he says, all right, the wedding is done. Why don't you go to that marriage chamber instead of Rachel? Go consummate that marriage. Aren't you glad your kids are in kids ministry today? Amen. Check out what happens next. In verse uh, 23 to 25, it says, when the evening came, Laban took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob and Jacob lay with her. When the morning came, there was Leah. Very descriptive here. There was was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I've got a ghetto version of that, but I'm not gonna give y'all that today. You can come see me after church for that one. I served for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Church, here's the bottom line. This is going to happen anytime you believe someone can meet all of your needs. Whenever you believe that marriage is the key to your worth, you're going to think that you end up in bed with Rachel, but you're going to walk away with Leah. You're not going to walk away with what you thought you were going to. If you think that someone can meet all of your needs, you're always going to wake up frustrated because no person can meet all of your needs. No person in this world can meet every one of your needs. That's part of us being messy. That's part of this is us, is that we are all messy, single people. There is not a person in this world that is going to meet every one of your needs. Some of y'all have been waiting for the person that checks all 100 of those check marks and you're expecting them to be a savior when they're supposed to be a spouse. My God. Some of y'all got married and you're thinking, wait a minute, this is not, I don't think you quite understood what I was expecting coming into this. Maybe you need to kind of realize that your expectations is that you're expecting them to be a savior, not a spouse. And anytime we expect them to be a savior, we'll always be disappointed because nothing in this world can save us except for the grace of Jesus Christ. The saddest verses in this entire story is Genesis 29, verses 31 through 32. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. He ended up with Rachel. He got Rachel. But Leah was the one with the open womb. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. When I I see that, it breaks my heart. You know, there's an old country song that says, I think it's a country song. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Is that a country song? Did I get that right? All right. Amen. Praise God. I hadn't left my heritage. But guys, those words break my heart. Surely... He'll love me now. Surely I did all the things I, I, I did. I checked, I checked the list. I did all the, surely he'll love me now. Well, surely she'll love me now. Surely they'll they'll have interest in me now. Surely I bought all the things that I needed to buy. I did all the things that I needed to do. I sacrificed. I gave up and I compromised where I needed to to make them happy. I got into debt so they'll have the, she'll have the lifestyle that she wants. Maybe she will love me now. Let me pause and ask you a question. What's missing in this entire situation? Church, what's missing here? There's no evidence of prayer. There's no evidence of anyone seeking God in this. There's no faith, there's no spiritual connection. It's based off of what I want out of you. What would happen if we based our relationships instead of what I want from you, it's what I want for you it would change the way that we look at that. See, they were searching for the one, but they were searching for the wrong one. In life, we've been taught, our culture has told us to be really fulfilled in life, you've got to find the one, the one. I want the one. Oh, she is the one. I just saw her and I knew she was the one. Anytime I'm doing premarital coaching, and if you tell me that, I'm laughing internally right there. She was the one. Church, can I be honest with you and tell you, she's not the one, he's not the one. They're not going to be the one because God is your one and your spouse is your two. What did Jesus say was most important? To worship the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength to seek the Lord first and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I believe that it means people too. Some of y'all have been looking for a husband but not seeking the Lord some of you are looking to be more successful in your job and more influential and more powerful you're looking to marry yourself off to anything that will make you more influential what if you stopped making success your one and you made Jesus your one and will lead you to success because you'll have the right motives single people I know you're looking at me right now and you're going Pastor Michael that's easy for you to say you're married I get it I understand let me just encourage you as your pastor, stop looking for your one and focusing on let, focus on let Jesus make you into the one. Let Jesus begin to work on you and in you. I'm stop, like, stop putting all of your focus on your, I can't be fulfilled, I'm not married. Yes, you can. Because Jesus brings you fulfillment, not a person. So many people are so dissatisfied with life. They walk around frustrated all the time. It's because they're not making Jesus their number one. Let me give you a visual example here. Pastor Sean, come up here. I need, I need, I need four other males to come here with a chair. Like I know this is completely out of the blue. Bring a chair here. Come here, Trent, bring your chair. Come on, Kyle, bring a chair. Thank you. I need. Yeah, I need just a couple more. All right, there we go. All right, I got five now. I want you to set those chairs up right next to each other, right here. And I want you to sit in them. That's perfect. Y'all scoot down a little bit that way. That's perfect. All right, that's great. We got four. That's great. That's perfect. Y'all sit down in the chair. What happens is we we like to put our lives in orders of importance right here, okay? And we say, Trent, this is gonna be the God chair, okay? All right? All right. And we're gonna say, all right, this is the number one thing, this is the number two thing, this is the number three thing, this is the number four thing. I'm gonna put all of these in order. Well, I've got, we're gonna play a little duck, duck goose here. I've got God, I've got my family, I've got, I've got my kids, I've got my job, all right? In fact, since family's here, we're gonna put money right here, all right? We're gonna put God, we'll put family, we'll put money, we're gonna put my job right there. And we'll say, all right, well, I'm gonna place these in order of importance. I'm gonna place them in order important. importance. So I'm gonna get my life right, okay? So I've got these chairs in line. So of course, I'm gonna put God in this chair because he needs to be number one, amen? He needs to be number one. That's what we've got, we, God needs to be number Well, then I put, well, I'm gonna put my family in this chair, number two, because that, that's super important to me. Well, then I'll put my, my money and my job in these chairs. Well, what happens is when we do it this way, we build silos where God is super important in this part. But then there's sometimes times in life that you're gonna step over and just your family's gonna be important. And we remove God from the family factor. And then we step into our money and we go, well, money is super important. And we remove God from the money factor. When, when Jesus spoke more about money than he did about pretty much anything else, Right? Well, then, well, then I got my job. It's my calling, right? I'm called to be an executive. I'm called to be, this guy right here is a fireman. He's a beast. He's awesome. the fireman. I'm called to be a fireman, right? I'm called to it. I'm gonna put, well, what happens is we remove the God factor from the fireman factor. I'm picking on you a little bit, Andrew. I love you. But what happens is when we, 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 we remove the God factor from the fireman factor, we're this far away from fulfillment. So rather than putting life, creating silos in your life, well, this is the God port, this is the the God chair, this is the family chair, this is the the, the money chair, and this is the job chair, what actually needs to happen, this is about to get real fun, y'all, y'all ready? What actually needs to happen is Jesus wants to cover all of your life. I want you to lay across their laps. Photography team, you're welcome. Just hold him. Hold him tight, okay? We don't need any injuries. We don't have workers comp here, okay? Here's the point, is that Jesus doesn't want a silo system. He is the system. He doesn't want you to say, well, I want God in my relationship. You get God so you can have great relationships. You want healthy finances? You want a healthy job? You want a healthy family? Get God in it. I promise it. Too many times we've been looking for healthy relationships outside of the God factor when the truth is he's not part of the system. He is the system. Jesus is not part of your life. He is your life. He is your one. There is no other. There is no other. Thank you guys. Give it up for these fellas and stand up on your feet right now. I want you to check this out. Don't miss this. This is powerful. This is powerful right here. The culmination of everything that happened in this story. Genesis chapter 29, verse 35. The fourth times that Leah conceived a child. Fourth time she conceived again. When she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. This time I will let God encompass everything. This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. Note, Leah, not Rachel, was the mother of Judah. Through Judah, Jesus, the savior of the world, would once be born. Proving that what once started and looked like a mess turned into a miracle, but it was only when she finally got it right that it doesn't matter how much disappointment that I've had in life. It doesn't matter how how many issues that I've experienced. It's messy, but I've got to bring Jesus into it. My marriage may not be perfect. It's not going to be because I'm not perfect. But if I grab her hand and I say, God, I need you in this with us. God, I need you in this with us. God, more than anything in this world, I need you in our marriage wrapped up inside of this thing I need you in our relationship you can start to find wholeness you can start to find a, a, a true fulfillment in your marriage stop looking for fulfillment in the world it's not going to get you there stop trying to find fulfillment in a person it's only in a Savior and it might look messy but Jesus is on the way to make it a miracle because a little Judah is being born in your life a little Judah is being born in your life Right now, what I would love for you to do is just close your eyes across this room. Maybe that's you right now and your life is messy. Your life, it looks like a mess around you, whether you're single, you're married, you're divorced. I don't know what that looks like for you, but it looks messy. Let me tell you, we serve a God that specializes in messy and he's in this house, specializes in messy. I don't care what mess you have going on, we serve a good God. That comes in and he will rescue your situation but you've got to allow him to, to touch all the chairs to sit in all the chairs you've got to allow him to sit in all the places because the only throne is his the only throne is his let me pray over you before we worship together lord jesus i come to you with an humble heart today recognizing that i'm not perfect recognizing that my marriage is not perfect that we're people, nobody in this room is perfect. None of our staff has a perfect marriage. But God, today, we only find fulfillment in you, God. When you, God, when you step in and touch every chair, when you come in and you touch every part, God, that we will stop compromising. We'll stop being demanding. We'll find fulfillment, God, because you will be wrapped up inside of this. You are a good God and we surrender to you.